Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 11th of March, 2022. Happy Friday to you. Holy Frank Tanana, it is Friday, and God knows we could use it. I could use it. That's for damn sure. These three-day work weeks are killing me. Killing me. <laughs> anyway, thank you for uh, listening and all the support that you guys give. Spread the word, word of mouth. It's really, it's not only the best advertising we have, it's the only advertising we have. That's it. It's the only thing we have is, is you guys telling your other friends, you got to check this guy out. You got to check this podcast out. It's not everybody's cup of meat, but it's not screaming and yelling. It's not trying to sell you something. I'm not trying to get you to go to this website and subscribe to this thing. My God, some radio shows are nothing but nonstop commercials for their other enterprises. I'm like, holy crap, this is terrible. I'm just here to tell you what's going on in the world and uh, point you in the right direction, and you can draw your own conclusions. I have faith in your ability to draw your own conclusions. I not going to sit here and tell you, I'll never lie to you. I'll always tell you the truth. I owe you that. No, I'll just tell you the truth. You know it's the truth. I don't need to sell you something. Anybody who tells you constantly that they ain't never going to lie to you is probably going to lie to you. Anyway, we got an action-packed program. We got Ukraine news. We got our idiot vice president. My God, I thought that Joe Biden was the worst vice president we ever had. He He's upped his game. He's taking it up to president. Little Kamala is off having a Polish adventure and uh, being even worse. We're going to have some fun with that. Uh, but please don't forget before we get to that, tonight at midnight, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast. The week in F and review will be up there and it will be a week to F and review. Also, you can enter. That's where you enter to win the signed John Cleese from Monty Python or Ben and Candy Carson from Ben and Candy Carson books, both autographed. One winner will be drawn. Two men enter, one man leaves. So go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast to join and enter. It's five bucks a month for God's sakes. And we got a lot of fun stuff, a lot of giveaways and stuff coming up on uh, those things as well. Now that I've got access to my signed book collection and have resolved to never want to move them again. God, what a nightmare. Anyway, let's get this party started, shall we, so we can get to the weekend. There's a lot going on in our world today. There is a propaganda war going on on social media, on search engines, and it's all around the world. I guess we have to accept this and expect this in the digital age, but sitting there watching this and you think, okay, nobody has, there's, is there something about being able to write code that makes somebody believe they're smarter. I know it doesn't make people smarter. I know people who write code. They're not particularly brilliant people. They're not particularly bright in some cases. But they uh, I guess I've never seen them really go on a power trip. It seems as though the tech wizards in this country love to go on those kinds of power trips. They just do. If you're unfamiliar with who Gabriel Weinberg is... He is the CEO and founder of DuckDuckGo. Now, if you use DuckDuckGo because you hate Google, I apologize ahead of time. Uh, this may ruin it. It may not. It may not bother you. It doesn't. The concept doesn't. Uh, how do I put this? It bothers me that these people think that they are the, the arbiters of truth. 
that because, look, they created a website, they can put whatever they want on it, they can keep whatever they don't want off of it. That much I I absolutely agree with. It's private property rights. It's theirs. It's their ball. They can take it home. You know, they can quit and take it home all they want. But there's something about the arrogance involved in this that is seemingly inherent in the left, but maybe more uh, becoming worse and worse across the board that I find disturbing. Gabriel Weinberg took to his Twitter account because everybody's on Twitter. who's a CEO of a company. I assume he's worth, I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, probably not billions of dollars. DuckDuckGo isn't that big yet, but he tweeted out, <clears throat> quote, like so many others, I am sickened by Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the gigantic humanitarian crisis it continues to create. Hashtag stand with Ukraine. Okay. Continues, at DuckDuckGo, we've been rolling out search updates that downrank sites associated with Russian disinformation. And there we go. Now, do I care that Russian disinformation, Russian propaganda is not being perpetrated as easily on uh, DuckDuckGo? No, I don't. Not really. Except for the fact, it's just like, you know, the, well, the Klan's going to march through Skokie, Illinois. And most people looked at that and said, well, well, no. And Skokie's trying to stop them. Good. Skokie, go Skokie. Do this, Skokie. And I think they mostly just like to say Skokie. But they're like, fine, go. Yeah, screw the Klan. Get them out of there. Except when you realize the concept, the precedent that it's setting. If you don't like what somebody says, no, you can't say it here. Well, the only speech that needs protecting is wildly unpopular speech. That's just the way it is. The only things that need protecting... Otherwise, what do you do? Oh, well, let's all get rid of, uh, let's ban lying on social media. Okay, let's ban misinformation. All right, now who's to say what's disinformation? Because I promise you, something you might not care about it at the beginning, but sooner or later they will get to something you do care about, and it will be labeled uh, unacceptable and banned. It's the slippery slope argument. You have to defend horrible things and horrible people in order to protect the rights of everybody. You can say, if you have a problem with it, you say, well, I'm going to defend these these horrible things so they can keep doing them so that, you know, I can spare myself because I know that I'm like two, three rungs down the ladder. When they get to me, I don't want to deal with it, so let's keep the front lines up there and we're good. I don't care if it's selfish or unselfish, whatever your reason, principle. It's the concept that matters. And so having DuckDuckGo, which prides itself on all your privacy, and we're not going to mess with your results the way Google does, and we're going to do that. They are. Now, they're doing it for what they view as noble reasons, and it might very well be noble reasons, but you can do something for noble reasons and it still be wrong long-term because it sets a precedent. Continues. In addition to downranking sites associated with this information, we also often place news molecules and information boxes at the top of DuckDuckGo search results, where they are where they are seen and clicked the most to uh, highlight quality information for rapidly unfolding topics. DuckDuckGo's mission is to make simple privacy protections accessible to all. Privacy is a human right and transcends politics, which is why about 100 million people around the world use DuckDuckGo 
We don't have an exact count since we don't track people. Okay, 100 million people, 8 billion people on the planet. Google probably reaches, actually, Google reaches more people than that easily. But still, it was an alternative. It's a good alternative. I go to Bing and I find results very... You go to Google and you search... I did this before. You go to Google and you search worst president ever. And everything is about Trump. And actually, I did it in quotes because I wrote a column um, about Joe Biden, I think, with that title. I forget what it was. But I did the same thing on Bing and boom, came up. I couldn't find what I was looking for, what I knew existed because I had created it on Google because of their algorithm. It used to be Google's like, I know like three words in a song. What the hell is that song? You type those three words in and the first result was, is this the song you're thinking of? You're like, yes, that is right. That's awesome. That's great. And now you go, I know I wrote something. I have a direct quote. What am I going to do? Let me look this up. And you can't find it on Google because it's wildly inconvenient for them. The left doesn't like it, so the left blocks it out. Kind of kind of pathetic. And now DuckDuckGo is apparently going that route. Now, I'm not saying boycott DuckDuckGo. No, I'm not. I'm just pointing this out. That this is a slippery slope. It is a slippery slope. Now, somebody responded, somebody named Jason Hayward responded, the whole point of DuckDuckGo is for you to not do that. Gabriel Weinberg responded, the whole point of DuckDuckGo is privacy. The whole point of the search engine is to show more relevant content over less relevant content. And that is what we continue to do. Relevant to whom? That's the issue. That's the problem. Relevant to whom? Relevant to the people who work at DuckDuckGo. Am I saying you should go and read RT and Sputnik and get all your information from there and treat it as though it's the gospel truth? Absolutely not. You are being lied to on those websites. But you know what, damn it, if you want to be lied to, you have a right to be lied to. You have to have faith in the public that they will be able to differentiate between garbage and accurate information. It's just that we are adults. We are supposed to be able to do those things. You are a search engine. You are not a filter through which we, you know, protect us from things that are bad, protect us from things that are this, from things that, no, I don't need protection. I don't want protection, not from you. I'll protect myself. So it's uh, I wouldn't be super surprised if other websites started doing the same thing. It's just one of those things where you're sitting there and you're going, why? This is unnecessary. It's virtue signaling. It's absolute virtue signaling. Nothing, nothing less than absolute virtue signaling. Don't let it happen. But it is. You can't resist that urge. We've got a bunch of news on Ukraine. Uh, there was, I'm trying to find this thing. There was a picture... <clears throat> It's a horrible picture of the the Russians apparently bombed a, uh, there it is, bombed a maternity ward, we're told, blew the hell out of it. I, I have no reason to doubt it, but except for the fact that I doubt everything. And now the Russian embassy in the UK is out there spreading misinformation. Misinfor- How are they spreading misinformation about this? Now, if you believe it, I wasn't there. I take everything with a grain of salt, but 
The Russian embassy in the UK just about an hour ago said uh, blah, 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 Foreign Minister Lavrov and the Maripol attack, the maternity ward. The maternity house was long non-operational. Instead, it was used by Ukrainian armed forces and radicals, namely neo-Nazi Azov Battalion. Moreover, Russia warned UN Security Council about this three days ago. And then there are pictures. And there's the famous picture of the woman being carried on the uh, stretcher, the pregnant woman being carried on the stretcher. And the Russians have stamped on it, fake, 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 fake. So somebody responded, there's a picture of a woman running down the flight of stairs, pregnant woman, after the bomb had gone off, belly sticking out. And so somebody responded, said, uh, Azov Battalion disguised as pregnant women? And they said, they responded, no, it's the indeed pregnant beauty blogger Mariana, oh, good Lord, Podgorskaya. I don't know how to pronounce these names, but uh, yeah, P-O-D-G-U-R-S-K-A-Y-A. She actually played roles of both pregnant women in the photos. And uh, first photos were actually taken by famous propagandist photographer Evgeny Maltegov, whatever, uh, rather than rescuers and witnesses as one would expect. And you're sitting there and uh, there's a picture. There's a picture of the woman wrapped in a, the pregnant woman wrapped in a comforter. Bloodied face. Obviously, the hit with some shrapnel messed up. And then there's a picture of this beauty blogger, whoever Mariana unpronounceable last name is. And you think, God, it does look like her. And maybe it is her. I don't know. Maybe she's pregnant. She said, well, it's she's indeed pregnant. They did call her indeed pregnant um, Ukrainian beauty blogger. So they're at least acknowledging that Ukraine exists, not a part of Russia. But this is the kind of thing that you sit there and you go, this doesn't, I don't know, this doesn't really jive. What's going on here? And you realize people look like other people and you can find a beauty photo. Maybe this woman was pregnant. It doesn't matter. The hotel or the uh, hospital was bombed. Should you not have access to this information? Should this information be banned? Does your search engine need to filter this out? Should Twitter delete this information? Or... If you scroll through the responses, you see a whole bunch of people talking about how this is garbage and calling them out for it. Isn't that the better way to handle it? I would say that that is the significantly better way to handle it. We as adults, I'm not even saying we as Americans, we as adults can handle these things, can decide for ourselves we don't need someone who simply writes code. Now, are there people who you know, look at this propaganda and go, oh my God, this is uh, false flag information. Of course there is. The Alex Joneses are always going to exist. Paranoid people who there's money to be made. It's, you know, you can decide if you want to do, if you want a loyal audience or a broad audience, you have to decide what you want to do. You can go into the world of paranoia and talk about how 
there's uh, all sorts of biological and chemical weapons, and they're going to do this, and Russia's going to blah, 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 blah. You can. You don't know, but it's wild speculation. And there is a group of people who believe that John Kennedy committed suicide, that the moon landing was fake, that this, that, and the other thing. Not that Kennedy thing committed suicide, but the grassy knoll. Oswald didn't ask, act alone. Maybe Jackie did it. Who knows? You can find people to believe just about anything. You're never going to be able to stop that. It's better to leave it all out there and let the people go, no, 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 no. Look at this video, Dealey Plaza. There's no, eh, it's just wrong. The shots came from the school book depository and here's the physics behind why. What about the magic bullet? And then you can show them how that's garbage too. Now, whether they choose to believe it or not is irrelevant. Your reality is not dependent upon somebody else's belief in it. And there are always going to be some people who are detached from it, period, end of story. That's just how the world works. You just try to avoid as many people as you possibly can who are detached from reality, who are spreading paranoid things, who are saying this is a false flag operation. This is a a staged event. Just say, okay, how? Show me, show me. Show me how this is, prove it. They can't. They think they can disprove the other thing with little snippets, but they can't prove their own case. They don't even try. They don't have to. Their mind doesn't work that way. And that's fine. It gives you a good idea of, it's like the uh, sniffling and coughing in the mental capacity world. If you're sitting near somebody, you're around somebody who's sniffing and coughing, all get away from them. You don't want to be around them, not because of COVID or not just because of COVID, because you just don't want whatever they got, flu, cold, whatever. You don't want to be around, especially if they're not covering their mouths. Think of propagating this sort of stuff as that kind of way. Like, hey, you know what? It helps me identify people to avoid. I'm down with that. I want to know who to avoid an easily uh, discernible way. Was it one of those comedians on the Redneck Tour years ago he used to say that you just stamp your head stupid or something like that? This is that kind of way. Right? You see your friends posting this on Facebook. Maybe you say well, that's not actually true or can you prove that it's true? And if they don't or even if they try to, you just go, all right, that's good. Back away slowly. Don't make any sudden movements and walk out of the room. Think of it as walking away from a rabid bear trying to... Uh, mate with your couch or something you walk in or and just walk out real slow and say yeah no i'm out of here that's how many of these people have to be treated but you don't say that's it can't see it you can't discern it especially you write code for a living you run a search engine and then you're going to tell people that you're going to manipulate their search results once you start doing that on one thing where do you draw the line to stop There is no real justification to draw the line to stop once you start. You've accepted the concept. And therein lies the problem. If you look at uh, DuckDuckGo, they're just Google light. I'm sure that Bing has their own biases. This is the thing about humanity. These companies can sit there and say, we are all about freedom of speech. We are all about privacy. We're all... They're not. It's a marketing gimmick. They might be more about freedom of speech or more about privacy than what is the big company and what the big company is. But they all have their terms of service. Tim Poole, the uh, the vlogger, blogger, whatever, he pointed out that the, the YouTube terms of service is pretty much the same as the Rumble terms of service. Now, does Rumble enforce it differently? Sure. 
but the terms of service are about the same. They reserve the right to just take your stuff down should you displease them or should something fall out of favor. Uh, it just doesn't go as noticed, or maybe it's being done to things you don't care about, or whatever. All of these companies do it. Twitter's horrible. All oh, Twitter's censoring this, that, and the other thing. Well, other websites aren't any better. Your search engine, they're polluting results. Google is manipulating. Well, so is DuckDuckGo. And so does Bing, I bet. You just don't notice it. Most people don't use it. Bing isn't a verb the way Googling is. So I don't think that uh, all these companies, any of these companies are great or good. They're all companies. They're all in business to make money, period, end of story, not to agree with you politically. Okay, you've got to make your own decisions. I have faith in your ability to make your own decisions. I just wish that these companies would have faith in all of our abilities to do that. I don't know. I don't know anybody who works for DuckDuckGo. Uh, I've used DuckDuckGo when I think of it. I don't think of it very often, but I use DuckDuckGo uh, on occasion. And I probably will again in the future. What I don't need is some mid-level coder at DuckDuckGo going, you know what? People don't need to see this bit of information. We're going to make it harder to find. How about you just come back with the most relevant results related to the words that I type into it? And that maybe will allow people or spur people to go, I'm going to put as many words as possible into this search engine to try and get as specific as I want. And recognize that information from the Russian government should be looked at with a jaundiced eye. Hey, maybe the Russian government doesn't uh, have my best interests at heart. Maybe the Russian government doesn't want me to know what they're up to. Doesn't want me to get an accurate picture of what's going on. But also... You should probably, in the interest of intellectual honesty, go, the Ukrainian government kind of has the same incentives too. The Ukrainian government doesn't want you to know the things that they've done that aren't good, that you might object to. How about, here's a novel idea, and I guarantee you there are things, but how about uh, you just tell us what's going, what's actually going on, regardless of who's doing it, and let each individual decide how things are. This is how conspiracy theories grow. This is where they say, oh, the division between people, it's so terrible. They're tearing this country apart. Um, if you keep information from people, there are holes. There are holes. If you said, uh, oh my goodness, the Russians, they bombed a maternity ward, but there were absolutely no pictures or videos or anything, people would go, that's a little weird. There have been a lot of things, a lot of stories of uh, out of Ukraine where they're like, oh my God, can you believe what the Russians did? And there have been no corresponding pictures or images or anything. It just seems a little bit weird to me. As Are they faking it? I wouldn't say that. But is it absolute gospel truth? I wouldn't say that either. Show me what's going on. Give me everything or put everything out there and I will cut my own path through it and figure it out. And everybody else can figure it out all on their own as well. As if we're, you hear every single day, oh, the Russians are bombing indiscriminately, killing children and bombing residential areas and everything. Okay, well, show me that footage. It's horrible. It's horrible. I want more than... If we live in an age of everybody has a video camera. I, I still image doesn't do it for me. I want to see long-term raw footage. I want to see all of it. 
I want legitimate news sources from the United States of America to be there. I'll even settle for CNN to be the ones taking the video. Then you can remove all doubt. But the problem is with our human brains, when there is a doubt, when there's room for doubt, there are some people who will fill that room. There's some people who will fill that room. There will always be a room room for Alex Jones. I don't listen to Alex Jones. The only thing I know about Alex Jones is the lawsuits that he's lost and some of the videos that I've seen online where he's like, oh, okay. And then I saw him profiled on 60 Minutes. If that, I don't want to ban Alex Jones. I have nothing against Alex Jones. I don't actually care. Um, but he's out there. He's out there. He fills those cracks. He is the sealant, the ultimate sealant between reality and, uh, well, the cracks in reality. He fills those gaps. If you leave information out, somebody can find a way to do it. Now, there's a market for it. Is it a huge market? No. But you can make a lot of money catering to a very small group of people really can they can if they if they believe in you if they absolutely love you it doesn't matter in a nation of 330 million people in a country or in a planet of of 8 million 8 billion people if you can find you know 100,000 a million whatever people who are dedicated live and breathe by what you say or what you do you make a really good living you're not going to become a billionaire, but you can make a really good living. All you got to do is accept that you're not going to grow. You're just going to cater and you can do that. It's no way to live, but if that's for me, but if that's how people want to live, knock yourself out. I'm not going to tell you, you can't listen to this person or that person or read this news outlet or read that news outlet, whatever you want. You want to construct your own view of reality. And same goes for, this is my philosophy on the trans issue, which we have some some news on uh, coming up. I don't care. If you're a man and you want to pretend that you're a woman, knock yourself out. If you want to come up and say, my name is Betty, I'll call you Betty. I won't call you for dinner. I won't invite you over probably. But if you want to be called Betty, hey, Betty, that's it. To the extent that I have to deal with you, I will call you Betty. If you want me to pretend that, uh, oh, can you drive me? I need to get screened for cervical cancer. Betty says, I need to go get, I'm not going to do that. You're not going to drag me into your world. You want to go into the bathroom with my two girls? It's, we're going to have a problem with that. Okay, Betty, I'll call you Betty. Well, uh, maybe considering kicking you where it counts. You know, just saying. There's a disconnect there. I don't care how you want to live your life and what kind of weird world you want to construct for yourself. It's when you force me or try to force me to live in it as well, you lose me. Doesn't matter if it's misinformation about gender. Doesn't matter if it's misinformation about war. It doesn't matter. It's all garbage. Or it doesn't matter if it's misinformation about inflation. We got new inflation numbers today, and they're not good. They're not remotely good. <laughs> they are far, far, far from good. That's a problem here that nobody in this country seems very interested in addressing. Certainly nobody in leadership, I guess. Um, that's the problem. The Biden administration, 7.9% year over year, the Consumer Price Index. Last February to this February, basically 
things have increased that much. That's huge. Those I always say, that's the worst numbers in 40 years. 40 years ago must have sucked. Must have just been hell on earth. But we were actually 40 years ago coming out of Jimmy Carter's recession. And things were improving and still things were this bad. And you think, well, the latest in 40 years, 40 years ago was 1982. Think about how bad things were before that. Because <laughs> we, if we got to 10%, then we'd start getting back into the Jimmy Carter era. We don't want to get there. But it is a massive, massive problem. And I love how they do this. They, they put out two different numbers. Neither one of them are good. But they always say, well, here's the consumer price index that's up year over year, the inflation numbers, 7.9%. But... But since our government is so stupid, the way they calculate the unemployment rate is they take people who are unemployed and then they remove people who are who have given up, who've lost all hope, who haven't been able to find job in so long that they just go, I quit. I'm going to be unemployed for a while. They stop looking for work. Oh, suddenly you don't count as un- unemployed anymore. They don't count you at all because, you know, if you control the unit of measure, you control everything. Um. <sighs> So they put out the inflation numbers, but then they have secondary inflation numbers where they cut out food and gas. Well, yeah, okay. If you just cut out food and and energy, things that people need, the cost of a sweater had gone up 6.4%. Okay, still not good, not good. But it's what you call turd polishing. They're trying to make the best of a bad situation. Still, 6.4%. But you, if you, the only way you get to 6.4%, something that the Democrats will tout, that's the number they'll probably use. The only way you get there is to exclude everything you need to live, right? I guess not everywhere. You certainly need food everywhere, but you don't necessarily need electricity everywhere. If you're in the northern states, you definitely need gas and electricity to to make it through the rest of winter, even though it's been pretty mild. And if you're in the south, you're probably doing okay right now without the air conditioner, because it is March, but soon you'll want that sucker on. But right now, maybe you're in that sweet spot where you're doing okay, and you just can open the windows and be fine. But you've got to love how the government will go. But if you take out food and energy, it's not that bad. Well, no, it's not. If if your only frame of reference is the 7.9% and you go, all right, well, 7.9%, but it's really 6.4% if you're just talking about things you don't need, that's a hell of a spin. That's a pretty heavy lift. I'm not sure I could go along with that, but this is how they do. This is why you have to sit there and you, you almost feel, if they weren't such horrible people, you'd almost feel bad for the leftists who have to spin this stuff. Almost. Not quite but almost. They get what they deserve. So uh, while we're looking at the rest of the world, we've got our idiot vice president. You know, remember when Barack Obama came into office and he did his big apology tour, went around, oh, geez, sorry we suck so bad. Hey, sorry about sucking. Yeah, sorry we're terrible. And he went around the world apologizing to the United States. Now we need to employ Barack Obama again. He's very good at apologizing. This time he needs to just follow around the vice president. Wherever she goes, out 10 minutes later comes Barack Obama and says, yeah, uh, <clears throat> sorry about that. Sorry, sorry. That's not, we didn't mean it. Sorry about that. What are you going to do? That, I think, should be his official job. Right now, the vice president of the United States is in Poland. 
Why? Because why not? Now, it's funny because she was sent over there to not do anything. <laughs> Essentially, you're sitting there, you're going, what are you talking about, Derek? Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm serious. It was, she was sent over to Poland to sort of be a goodwill ambassador or whatever, I guess, if that's a thing. I didn't know that was a thing. It's weird because she's allegedly been entrusted with some serious responsibilities as vice president of the United States. And the media is doing its best to try and spin her non-involvement or non-power into, wow, she's very influential. What a strong woman. Politico actually has the story. They're framing it as the strong woman thing. The headline, Kamala Harris finds herself center stage of the Ukraine crisis. Now, if you're in center stage of the Ukraine crisis, you'd think, wow, you... uh, you're right in the mix of it. You got some serious influence, some serious power. No, no, you don't. <laughs> you have nothing, nothing. Quote, White House officials say Harris is not in Poland to make any deals, whether it be on humanitarian aid or the transfer of military equipment. Instead, her role is to serve as an emissary, an emblem of the administration's commitment to the country. End quote. What the hell is that? What is that? Hey, we're going to send you. She's center stage, according to Politico, according to the media. She's right there in the mix of it. But she has no power, no say, no nothing. Please don't ask her for anything. The headline, the subheadline, the vice president arrives in Poland amid a worsening war and a disagreement over how to exchange fighter jets. It's her toughest, biggest foreign policy stage yet. It is her toughest, biggest foreign policy stage yet. And again, I want to read you the opening of this article. You'd think, wow, she's the tip of the spear. She's out there to do this, that, and the other thing. She's going to give those Russians what for. No, she is expressly foreboden from doing anything. It opens... I skipped the first paragraph. Vice President Kamala Harris's trip to Poland on Wednesday comes amid... A amid tense times in the region and difficult negotiations between Warsaw and Washington. Gee, you think? Tense times in the region. There's a war going on. So yeah, there might be just a little bit of tension going on there. But administration officials say she's not there to make any deals, whether it be on humanitarian aid or the transfer of military equipment. Instead, her role is to serve as an emissary and an emblem of the administration's commitment to the country and the transatlantic alliance more broadly. But here, have this Kamala Harris as a sign of our affection. Well, I wish you hated this. Take it back. We don't want it. But I just want to reiterate the headline and subheadline again to show you how the media is spinning this. You cannot. This is an amazing bit of propping up. I'd be embarrassed to write this. You just heard what I said. Their headline, Kamala Harris finds herself center stage of the Ukraine crisis. Subheadline, the vice president arrives in Poland amid a worsening war and a disagreement over how to exchange fighter jets. It's her toughest, biggest foreign policy stage yet. She's not even an understudy, let alone the lead actor in this production. She's not a lot. She is a ticket purchaser on the standby list. 
She's not allowed to do anything. She is expressly forbidden from doing anything. The United States government has announced that she's coming over there to do nothing. Now, I can promise you that she's exceedingly good at that. She is, as her political career has shown, she can do nothing with the best of them. She can do nothing for years. Not talking about Willie Brown. Obviously, there was something there. The story continues. The vice president has been trying to build her chops as a serious foreign policy player, an image that's eluded her throughout her career. Oh, it's eluded. She spent four years in the United States Senate. That's like 20 minutes in dog years. Four years in the United States Senate. Her foreign policy chops have eluded her. Yeah, because she was unserious. She doesn't have, it's not eluded her. Nothing eludes somebody if you don't go looking for it. All right. It's eluded me. Really? Have you gone trying to find some foreign policy chops? No, no, I haven't. But that's beside the point. It's always eluded me. So stupid. But the backdrop for her trip has changed dramatically since it was first announced on March 4th. Really? It's changed dramatically. It's it's five days. Russia's invasion of Ukraine rages on Poland's doorstep, forcing more than 2 million people to flee their homes. And in the last 24 hours, Warsaw and Washington openly sparred over a plan to send Polish MiG-29 fighter jets to Ukraine before the Biden administration put the deal on ice for fear of escalating tensions further with Moscow. Something... They have expressly in this story said Kamala Harris has no say over, no hand in, no nothing. (laughs) The next line is great. There's no indication that Harris's trip was aimed at dealing with that impasse. I would say that there are indications that Harris's trip was expressly not meant to deal with that impasse. Mainly the fact that the government said this has nothing to do with that she is not involved in that discussion the adults in the room are handling that now shush while mommy and daddy talk (laughs) rather administration officials and allies who the hell are these allies say her goal is to bring sensitive requests back to the president and to reaffirm washington's commitment to help ukraine and others affected by the russian invasion what, the, what is it? Is she, she the official hugger of the Biden administration? There you go. You need a hug. We live in a world where there are encrypted communications, okay? If there's sensitive requests that Poland has for the president of the United States, you don't need to do it in person. You can pick up the phone. You can. You really can. And oh, by the way, It's widely reported that we are sending batteries of Patriot missiles to Poland, right? The the anti-missile shield missiles. I don't know if we got super, super duper secret missiles beyond that that take out missiles or invading armies. I'd like to know that. But I'm not really sure what else they could be referring to here. So stupid. Administrative and allies. They note, uh, let's see, do-do-do-do-do. Uh, administration officials and allies say Harris's sojourn to Europe. They keep on referring to these allies. Who are these allies? And allies. I assume it's like the reporters themselves, maybe MSNBC and CNN. And allies say Harris's sojourn to Europe is an illustration of President Joe Biden's trust in her 
in these moments, even in fields like national security, where she has not been given much of a portfolio during her vice presidency. You gotta wonder if reporters follow the news sometimes. You really have to wonder, do these people watch the news? Do these people read the news? Are these people aware of the news? Oh, yes, it's Joe Biden's trust in her. They trust Kamala Harris, Joe Biden does so much that he's sending her to Poland and then expressly announcing to the world that she has no powers whatsoever. She's mostly there as a figurehead. <laughs> that That's deep trust. Would that we should all have that much trust in one another. <laughs> yes, she's been, but she hasn't been given much of a portfolio of national security. What do you think the southern border is? Do you think that's not a national security issue? For all the talk about the war in Ukraine, the war in Russia, and horrible, horrible that uh, they say 9,000 Russian troops have been killed and tens of thousands of Ukrainians have been killed. And uh, I don't know what the latest number is. Uh, Those numbers pale in comparison to the number of Americans who die from opioids. Right? You just pick almost any year, but certainly, you know, over the course of the last five years pale in comparison those opioids flood across the southern border the open southern border the southern border that kamala harris was supposed to be put well she was put in charge of she's the one she's going down to the source of the problems and boy howdy she's going to get to the root cause remember the root causes whatever happened to the root causes i thought she was handling the root causes we still have Record numbers of illegal aliens flooding across the southern border, record numbers of opioids coming across the southern border. But hey, if it's not a donor's kid who's overdosing, it's just some random schlub, somebody who may well have voted for a Republican. Who the hell cares if your kid dies from the fentanyl coming across the southern border? Moreover, who cares if your kid is uh, tormented or bullied or beaten up or murdered by some drug dealing member of ms-13 who came across the southern border or if your neighborhood is now infested with illegal aliens dumped there by the biden administration given free air travel on your time not free you paid for it to your neighborhood to uh, at the because they they paid the cartels or they owe the cartels you know this is happening by the way the cartels the people who want to come here illegally since the floodgates are open the cartels are seeing a great great opportunity to essentially create indentured servants you call them slaves too i guess if you want to but more indentured servants where the cartels gangs are bringing people up here who are not necessarily inherently evil or violent, but who can't afford the thousands of dollars. And they say, all right, we'll bring you to the United States. You're going to have to work with for us for a period of time, smuggling drugs around the United States or distributing or whatever it is. We'll put you up in a house. And you see, well, there's 20 people who live in that house. That's weird that 20 people live in that house in a very expensive neighborhood. How can they afford that? Well, the house is owned by a front, owned by cartels that then put these people up, give them work, give them assignments until they quote unquote work off what they owe the cartels for smuggling them up through Mexico into the country. And then maybe they're released and replaced by somebody else. It's essentially modern slavery. It's happening all the time. Uh, The vice president of the United States is in charge of overseeing this 
I don't know if she's in charge of overseeing it, like she's offering them advice on how best management practices would work when dealing with a human bondage. But I suspect she's aware of these things. She just doesn't give a damn. Why? Because when was the last time you saw a report on the horrors of the southern border and the problems that they lead to throughout the country on ABC, CBS or NBC? When was the last time you saw it on a broadcast network newscast? When was the last time you saw it splashed across the front pages of your newspapers? Probably not very often. It's so pathetic. And they keep lowering the bar for her and her existence every single time because she can't clear it. She can't clear it. I have to say she's not been giving much portfolio during her presidency is garbage. A Politico writes, quote, they note the good reviews, meaning they, the mysterious they, the administration officials and allies. They note the good reviews she received just a few weeks ago for her appearance at the Munich Security Conference as evidence that she's more deft in international diplomacy than her critics concede. Yes, she's very good at sitting in on pointless meetings that bring no resolution, go nowhere. She's excellent at that. <laughs> Quote, the vice president's visit is meant to send a signal of reassurance and unity on the part of the United States to these Eastern NATO allies, said Olga Olicker, the Brussels-based Europe and Central Asia program director for the International Crisis Group, a left-wing organization if there ever was one. But this trip is not a confab of the global elite in a posh conference setting. Instead, Harris will be meeting with leaders of both Poland and Romania, as well as Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who is also in Poland on a diplomatic trip. She will also hear from American troops and Ukrainian refugees. Oh, wow. She will hear from them. She will meet with people that she is expressly forbidden from entering in any kind of agreement with. She's going to meet with Justin Trudeau. Congratulations. She's going to learn the fine art of having your horse trample an old lady protesting your government. I don't think she needs to learn that lesson. I think the Democrats already have that one down cold. So I I wasn't just giving a preamble of our idiot vice president, although that story just cracks me up and I could read read the, the she's given. Can you imagine the press signing up to just kiss your butt this hard? Politico, Harris's trip will be conducted largely out of public view as White House staff remain loath to offer reporters a peek behind high-stakes curtains. What high-stakes curtains? You've already expressly said that she has no authority on anything. She's just a figurehead there to let people know that they're thinking about them. High-stakes curtains. Senior officials wouldn't discuss her preparations for the Eastern European visit, instead pointing to, quote, a number of specific sessions focused on these countries, briefings and discussions with experts, end quote. They said Harris had done her homework once it became clear to American officials that Russia was preparing for a full-scale incursion of of Ukraine. <laughs> She's a hero. She's not trusted for the damn, but she's a hero. She studied up on an issue. Wow. Is she okay? Did she need a vacation after that? My God. These people are... Okay, so all this preparation. All this preparation. 
Uh, they say, the trip marks an elevation for Harris, whose main portfolios have been root causes of migration, illegal immigration, to the southern border and voting rights. Her opponents have chastised her as being ill-prepared for the world stage, let alone the biggest armed conflict in Europe since World War II. But her defenders say she's up to the task, noting that her time in the Senate Intelligence Committee came right at the heart of the Russian President Vladimir Putin's increased meddling in U.S. politics. You mean the meddling he didn't do in the 2016 election the Democrats have been lying about? Again, do these reporters follow the news at all? So Harris is over there, and she uh, she went before cameras, just a, a ceremonial piece of garbage. I want to tell you, I want to show you, you heard all the hype, all the buildup. This political report was written before this joint press conference with the Polish prime minister or president, whatever it is, who cares? Uh, so she is as prepared as she possibly can be. And this is what you get. This is Harrison Poland. Um, see if you can make any sense of this. See if you think well, this, this is, if this lives up to the hype of, my God, she's so prepared. She's on the ball. Or if this is just a lunatic pandering, somebody with absolutely no power. And one of the things she mentions in here, and listen for it, I hate this term when politicians do it. I don't know that there's a better term, but I hate it when politicians talk about, oh, blah, 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 the ordinary Americans who did the ordinary. Well, when you somebody talks about ordinary Americans, especially a politician, talks about ordinary Americans doing great things. It's implicit, in, at least in my head, that they think they aren't ordinary Americans, that they think they are extraordinary Americans. And they're almost shocked every time, quote unquote, ordinary Americans step up and do something extraordinary. That's just me. Kamala Harris uses that term about um, ordinary Poland. Uh, they can't now. Uh, ordinary Polish people. I was almost going to say something politically incorrect because I didn't know. You know, like I'm part Polish, so I guess I could probably say it. But uh, you don't get this nose in nature. It's like an Italian Polish nose, just too big. It's a Smurf ski slope in the middle of my face. Anyway, listen to the Vice President of the United States in Poland. I would like to also speak directly to the Polish people. I have shared with your president that under his leadership and your leadership has been extraordinary. The world has been watching Poland, Mr. President, your leadership and the leadership of the people of your country. And we've witnessed extraordinary acts of generosity and kindness. We have seen through images on the television, looking at images of ordinary people doing extraordinary things in support of the dignity and the well-being of perfect strangers. So I first and foremost want to express the thanks for the people of the United States to you, Mr. President, on behalf of our President, Joe Biden, and to the people of Poland for what you are doing every day. It really represents the best of who we are. Who's this we? <laughs> if I'm the Polish president, I go, who we are? What do you mean? Who's this we? It was this wee business. But uh, we witness ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Not to undercut what Poland is doing. 
Poland is accepting a lot of Ukrainian refugees, and God bless them for it, and they're, they're processing them through. But is the cynic in me going to ask, is that really super extraordinary? Is that? I don't know. I don't know. It's just the, the cynicism, the condescending tone of everything Kamala Harris did. Now, she's, this is the elevation of her portfolio. Do you feel like she's been portfolio or elevated? She has been uh, briefed and rebriefed by experts on the issue, ready to hit the world stage with no power and no say over anything. Do you, do you feel like you got your money's worth in that clip? Don't answer just yet. Because we've got another clip of Kamala Harris, who, uh, if you didn't feel like you got ripped off before, boy, how do you going to after this? It's a long question. She doesn't actually say anything, really, in this clip until the very end. It is a long question from a reporter, and it's about whether or not the United States should take in more refugees from Ukraine. Then there's silence and awkwardness. Uh, I think it's mostly the awkwardness of the president of Poland and the vice president of the United States trying to figure out who's going to answer this question, even though I believe the question was directed at the vice president. Either one of them could have answered it. But then Kamala does what only Kamala can do, make somebody laugh, make herself laugh, since she's the only one who ever laughs at anything she does or says. It is a crutch or a nervous tick or whatever she she uh it's inappropriate and then she says something wildly stupid and you're sitting there going what in the hell is going on and the polish president i think feels bad for her and all that preparedness that she'd done in preparation for this that he steps up and answers in polish and the clip ends but you can see all the groundwork that this politico story documents in action here uh, the exact moment that the wheels come off. I wanted to ask you about some reporting that my colleague here in Poland noticed. He recently spoke with the mayor of the largest border town who told him that the refugee system is essentially not set up for this, that it will collapse. It's an improvised system that can work for maybe two weeks, but not indefinitely. And I'm wondering what the United States is going to do more specifically to set up a permanent infrastructure. And relatedly, is the United States willing to make a specific allocation for Ukrainian refugees. And for President Duda, I wanted to know if you think, and if you asked the United States to specifically accept more refugees. Okay. <laughs> a friend in need is a friend in need. <laughs> okay, I, I can first. Okay, so this time. I assume he started going off in Polish about it. Why won't this woman stop laughing at her own stupid jokes? I assume that's what that man don't speak Polish, but I have to guess at least that's the subtext of what he was saying. My God, Fred indeed is a friend indeed. <laughs> How does that apply to anything? Were you not prepared for these basic questions that a fifth grader could have figured out were coming, Kamala? Is that it? Politico, a person familiar with how the vice president's office preps for meetings with allies, said that Harris wants to be briefed on specific asks that her counterparts may have and what deliverables the U.S. can provide. The issue of refugees was not among them. 
Her philosophy is that, quote, we should be delivering uh, for our allies and partners because, you know, we need to stand in the gap for them because one day, hopefully not any day soon, but we might need their help. It's normal for vice presidents to go on high-stakes diplomatic missions during times of war. When Biden was the White House's number two, then-President Barack Obama named him the administration's point man on Iraq. Boy, how did that work out? And later, as the Ukraine lead following Russia's 2014 annexation of Crimea again. How did that work out? Liberals fail up. Good God. As Biden had spent decades by that point entrenched in foreign policy debates, participating in Codell's and shaping U.S. policy abroad as chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Well, as Barack Obama put it, never underestimate Joe Biden's ability to F things up. And as Bill uh, Barack Obama's defense Secretary Bill Gates put it, Barack, uh, Joe Biden has been wrong on every foreign policy issue for the last 40 years. But don't worry, Democrats fail up. Harris has had a far more limited international footprint, <laughs> to say the least. She wants vacationed in Europe. She's a career prosecutor whose most uh, whose most notable national experience came from serving four years on the Senate Intelligence Committee. Four whole years on a committee. Wow. Committee meetings. And her earlier trips as vice president have been on the Northern Triangle countries of South America that were that were at the heart of the migrant overflows at the U.S. southern border. I want to read that last sentence again because it's written in the past tense. The crisis, the crush of illegal aliens at the southern border continues to this day, but this sentence about it is written as if she solved it, as if Kamala Harris is walking away, dusting off the dirt. (laughs) And her earlier trips as vice president have been to the Northern Triangle countries in South America that were at the heart of the migrant overflow on the U.S. southern border. Migrant overflow. As if there's a certain number of illegal aliens, that it's, that's the normal flow. And then the rest have to go into an overflow. <laughs> no. Huh. Heading to Eastern Europe in the shadow of Russia's invasion of Ukraine is of an order of significance. Is of an order of significance Harris has yet to tackle one where missteps could harm alliances at a crucial and tense moment, which is precisely why the Biden administration said, you can go, go over there, make nice. You have no authority to do anything. You do not necessarily, you can say thank you on behalf of the United States government, but that's it. Don't try to make any deals. Don't make any concessions. Don't take any, nothing. Just go there, smile and laugh at your own stupid jokes. Yeah. Feeling, feeling safe. 81 million people voted for this, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Do you feel safer knowing that Kamala Harris is on the case? Has any human being ever felt safer knowing Kamala Harris is on the case? Hey, thank God Kamala Harris is here are words that have never been uttered in English or any other kind of language. Thank God Kamala Harris is here. 
<sighs> so we're dealing with massive inflation. We're dealing with a war over in Europe. And we've got gas prices through the roof. Gas prices through, I don't know what they are today. Yesterday, they went up another 10 cents. Another 10 cents. Everywhere I went past, I I, I don't know why. I, I always kind of note, I catch the blinking of the stupid uh, walk, don't walk signs and the number countdowns. I, I notice that constantly and I always try to see the 10. I don't know why. Probably a little OCD there. And I uh, I notice gas prices and I watch them go up significantly, massively. It is disturbing how quickly they've gone up. And it's really easy. Oh, you say, well, it's Vladimir Putin's fault. It's Vladimir Putin's fault. And this last little bit is Vladimir Putin's fault. You know why? Because it's Vladimir Putin who invaded Ukraine. And the gas prices, the oil prices, well, the gas prices are based on oil prices. Oil prices are based on future speculation about availability of the oil. It's not about now. It's not, there's no shortage. It's about in the future. And uh, that's what makes the Biden administration so infuriating. They know this. You got Ginger Goebbels up there saying, well, if we... We drilled, we did this. It wouldn't make any difference today. No, no, it wouldn't make any difference today. It might make a difference next week. There have been instances where presidents, George W. Bush comes to mind, where they have prioritized, expedited oil leasing. Just that, well, they say 9,000 oil leases, 9,000 oil leases. Yeah, there are 9,000 oil leases. If I... Uh, put up these oil leases out there there's no guarantee that there are there's oil in them there's any oil there's a potch, patch of land i've got the right to drill for oil in there well first of all it's logistically nearly impossible to get there but you can get there you cover way through you get right away passage through other people's property you can get out there you can start exploring and maybe you'll find oil maybe you won't you'll probably face lawsuits from left-wing environmental groups the majority of those oil leases are being challenged or at least a third of them are being challenged in court by left-wing environmental groups because they're trying to save the planet save the planet save the planet so they're they're not going anywhere. They all get injunctions against them to find out whether or not there's going to be this, that, or the other thing. There are environmental impact studies that have to be done, usually in succession. They can't be done simultaneously. Various government departments have to do them. That's months and months and months each. All that red tape could be macheted through. Remember uh, Operation Warp Speed? Remember Operation Warp Speed? The Biden administration could institute an Operation Warp Speed for oil exploration. They won't because they would tick off the 5% of the American public who are likely to glue themselves to a tree. They would lose their support. And that's who the Biden administration cares about. So as you're sitting there watching gas prices approach $5 a gallon, depending on where you are, or $8 a gallon if you're in California or New York, it ain't going to stop. It's not the we we have the ability to make it stop and our president won't exercise that ability. He'd rather go down and suck up to Maduro and the mullahs in Iran and beg them and Saudi Arabia to drill more so that we can buy more of their product rather than become energy independent because he is of the delusion 
that an unproven technology that doesn't work, that needs massive subsidies and mandates. You have to subsidize its creation and mandate its use, and it still can't make a profit. That that business, that industry is ready to take over for what has worked for human beings for the last 120 years. That's how dense these people are. Okay, <clears throat> so we have this audio. of uh, you No, know, gas prices aren't my fault. I wasn't even in town that month, President. First, we will have, let's see, we'll do the montage after. Deputy National Security Advisor Dalip Singh. You almost feel bad for these people. If they weren't such horrible people doing such evil things, you might feel bad for them. But they're well paid. We're paying them. And uh, they're bad people. So, you know, any sympathy you might have for them. Because imagine you have to... There's a great scene in The Wire season four, I think it is, when Tommy Carcetti is elected. Maybe it's season four, I think. When Tommy Carcetti is running for mayor and he meets with the old mayor of the city in, uh, in the diner and the old mayor explains to him what it's like to be mayor. And you sit there and you think, oh, this big chair, it's comfortable. And, oh, I, I can do so much good. And then open, knock on the door, in walks the ministers. And they've got a big bowl of excrement that you got to eat. And as soon as you, because you got to, just the game of politics. So you eat it. And then they leave out and in come the unions. They got a big bowl of excrement that you got to eat. And then in comes the this and in comes the that. And basically he describes a job as nonstop 24 hours a day eating giant bowls of excrement. It's a great scene because I think that's a lot. I think that's probably the most honest assessment of what it is like to be in politics, particularly in, in a machine city politics. And uh, that's kind of what it has to be like to be the Biden administration person who's sent out to talk about gas prices and try and justify. You just got to go out there and go like, look, I'm I don't want to do this. I don't want to lie to you, but I have to lie to you. It's my job. And the reporters are going, yeah, we know you got to lie to us. We don't want to be lied to either. But, you know, better you lie than we lie. We can just repeat your lie, whereas you have to birth the lie. So they both kind of are in on it. But Dalip Singh says something that is so inherently false that anybody with a rudimentary understanding of how markets work has to look at this and go, what in the hell are you talking about? This is exactly the opposite of reality. Everybody knows, maybe not communists, but everybody else knows this garbage is garbage. The reporter, of course, doesn't bother to call out Dalip Singh, Deputy National Security Advisor, because that would be a little bit too much like work. That'd be a little bit too much like criticizing your own team. Listen to Dalip Singh say we can't drill our way to lower gas prices. Uh, what I can tell you, though, Willie, is um, even if we drilled as much as we could, uh, the price of oil is still set globally uh, by the demand and supply conditions. And much of that supply is controlled by tyrants like Putin. And again, that's why we have resolved to speed our transition towards cleaner, more sustainable and renewable sources of energy. 
Can't drill our way to it because too much of the world's supply is is controlled by if if too much of the world's supply is controlled by tyrants. Okay, I'm willing to accept that. That has nothing to do with anything else, unless those tyrants go and I'll show that Western civilization by not selling the only thing that I have to offer. Right, that would be it. The only way they could impact supply, we're producing more. Are they going to say, well, then we're not producing any at all. We're taking our ball and going home. What do you think the odds of of them doing that are? As much money as these tyrannical countries and bad countries and indifferent countries make and have made, they spend it just as fast. In a lot of these cases, there are like 10 trillion members of the uh, Saudi royal family. They are all propping up businesses and investments around the world. They live this lifestyle. It's kind of funny if you hear the stories of, you know, Saudi Arabia, Sharia law reigns and they're the religious police and you got to dress a certain way and you got to cut no alcohol. And then you get on a plane and the second you leave Saudi Arabian space, everybody's changing out of all that garbage, getting into Western clothes and ordering a martini. Like, well, wait a second. I have questions. You know, you're not allowed to have questions. You're not allowed to have questions. But it's true. It's true. You can look it up. I I encourage you to do it yourself. It's all a bunch of sham. Well, those people who live those lifestyles, um, it costs money to live those lifestyles. It costs money to get the presidential suite at the Four Seasons in in London. You need that money coming in as much money as there is floating around. You need that steady income. You need that constant income. It's, think of it as uh, it's how athletes go broke. He's making $10 million a year. How did he go bankrupt two years after he retired? Well, because he made $10 million a year and he spent $12 million a year. Because one year he spent $12 million while making $10 million a year and said, well, I can spend that extra $2 million because next year I'm going to make another $10 million. I'll just pay it out of that. And then you keep spending because you're used to spending. You can, no matter how much money you earn, no matter how much money you have, you can blow through it like uh, like the wind. No, I was going to make a gas analogy, but I'm not going to. Uh, you can blow through it pretty easily. So those tyrants out there aren't going to go, well, I'm going to spite the United States, so I'm not going to drill any oil. I'm going to take my ball and go home. Guess they might not be able to afford that private jet flight inside of a couple of months. Some of them spend so much money that they might not be able to afford it in a couple of weeks. And then you've got to account for the fact that a lot of these people have substance abuse problems because they got nothing but time and money on their hands and gambling problems. And they go on losing streaks. They can't afford to not produce. And they also have a whole bunch of people who keep them in power or keep their secrets or whatever that they've got to keep in money. It's not just the this guy or the that guy. It's the circles around those guys. And those circles have ripples around them, and it all trickles down. you got to keep everybody on the payroll happy because, you know, somebody did something 100 years ago that you had nothing to do with, and you've been living off of it ever since. You have no ability to adapt. It's a mess. They can't just shut it off. They won't just shut it off. Here in the United States, they just shut it off because we're ruled by idiots who are uh, who put politics uber alles. So we have a little montage here. It's about two minutes long, but it's worthwhile. Cut together, I believe, by Grabian Media. I could be wrong about that. Apologies if I'm wrong about that. But it is a montage of the President of the United States 
talking about oil. He wants to get rid of oil. This is they have to pretend to care. The Biden administration has to pretend to care because you care. Because we care. We go and fill up our car. We're like, holy Frank to Nana, how much is this costing me now? I don't even let my ca- car get past a half a tank. I don't I don't want an, like 50 bucks to put a half a tank in is is enough. And no, it's it's $100 a tank or whatever. It's probably closer to like 75 or $80 a tank because the weird way that they measure those things in those tanks. But it is a, a psychological thing. I'd fill it up twice from halfway and I feel better than I would if I filled it up all the way from empty once for the exact same price. It's just weird that way. But I'm looking at these gas prices and thinking this is insane. We shouldn't, this shouldn't be like this except for the Democrats policies. This is Joe Biden right at the start talking about how he wants to, he wants this. This is what he wanted. This is what he, this is his plan. And then there's a whole bunch of various administration officials. Everyone you hear in this clip is an, the, is either the president of the United States, a cabinet secretary, or advisor to the president. They are administration officials talking about gas prices. Vice President Biden, I'd like to ask you, three consecutive American presidents have enjoyed stints of explosive economic growth due to a boom in oil and natural gas production. As president... Would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth, even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Number one, no more subsidies for fossil fuel industry. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Ends. I've been against Keystone from the beginning. Putin's war is already hurting American families at the gas pump. The reason why the price of gas is going up is not because of steps the president has taken. They are because President Putin is invading Ukraine. Uh, Egregious activities of Vladimir Putin. There is no amount of domestic production that we can do. I've used every tool available to address price increases. And it's beginning to work. Take gasoline and gas prices. Last week, I announced the largest ever release from the United States Strategic Petroleum Reserve. We've seen oil and gas prices out of the wells. Oil and gas prices on the wholesale market come down significantly. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period, ends. Using a straw to eating a burger, am I part of the problem? In a certain way, yes, but the most exciting thing is that we can all be part of the solutions. Uh, Families that once they own that electric vehicle will never have to worry about gas prices again. I mean, I drive a Chevy Bolt, which is an electric vehicle. I don't have to buy gasoline. I have solar panels on my house, so I drive on sunshine. Putin's war. Because President Putin is Vladimir Putin. There's no amount of domestic production we can do. Number one. No more subsidies for fossil fuel industry. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Ends. And again, that's why we have resolved to speed our transition towards cleaner, more sustainable, and renewable sources of energy. Yeah, gee, it's all Vladimir Putin's fault 
that Joe Biden had really bad energy policies? This is by design, ladies and gentlemen. The timing might be wrong. Just like Obamacare was designed to fail, it just wasn't designed to fail immediately the way it did. So they had to scramble and make all sorts of adjustments and illegal executive orders and what have you. But it was always designed to fail. Down the road, Democrats want to move towards socialized medicine. That was a step in that direction. You can't have a step in that direction work beautifully and then say, but we need to replace it. It needed to fail, just not within a year. The Biden administration wants gasoline to be ridiculously expensive. So you use less of it. So you get off of it. So you somehow find a way to manage to buy a $40,000 electric vehicle. You heard Granholm, the Secretary of Transportation, and Buttigieg, the Secretary, uh, or he's Transportation, she's Energy, saying they're saying, I don't have to worry about this stuff, man. I got an electric car. Get an electric car. Your, your problems are solved. Right, yeah. I grew up in a house that cost less than a Tesla. My parents bought it for 10000 My parents sold it for less than a Tesla, actually, too. Um, and you know, they're going to, you expect somebody like that to buy an electric vehicle? Well, great. There goes road trips, one of the great American family traditions. Vacation was on the other day. There, it's a great movie. No road trips anymore because you can go 300 miles and then you go, okay, kids, let's go take an eight-hour nap so we can charge up the wind-up toy. Or you could drop another $25,000 on the car and charge it up in a half an hour. There's nothing that's more fundamentally un-American. But they are in the pocket of these companies. They want to subsidize their creation and mandate their use. If these cars were so wonderful, if these cars were so great and they worked so well, you wouldn't have to do either. The private money would flow into these things like you wouldn't believe. And the customers would beat a path to your door. That neither is happening tells you everything you need to know. And if you're sitting around waiting for this government or any government really, to bring you relief at the pump, in your wallet, or anywhere. You're going to sit there, you might as well wait for Godot. You might as well wait for Godot, because neither's ever going to show up. I want to shift it up again to talk about the the distortions of the media in this uh, Florida don't say gay, as they say. It's not don't say gay. Well, you can say gay all you want doesn't really matter. But these politicians going, oh, gay, I say gay, I say, congratulations, you say gay. What the bill actually did that the governor of Florida signed was to stop adults from talking to kindergartners, first graders, uh, second graders, and third graders about sex. That's it. That's all. Pretty simple pretty basic things so you don't because you don't want children being preached anything you watch these uh videos of teachers and god if your teacher ever appears on one of these libs of tiktok videos get your kid out of that school as quickly as possible uh but they're just sitting there going oh i tell them all about this that and the other thing i tell them to teach them to masturbate and i teach them to do this that i'm just like you you're you're a child sexual predator my god what's wrong with you well um Ginger Goebbels was asked about this, and she was asked about it in a very inconvenient way by a reporter from the New York Times, no less. And she, of course, didn't answer the question directly. You'll hear the exchange. But it turns out that in 1994, not all that long ago, 
And in Joe Biden's terms, he was about halfway through his career at that point. Joe Biden voted for an amendment that read, this is the, uh, the statement of purpose to the amendment that Joe Biden voted for. And by the way, it passed. It passed Congress 90, or the Senate 91 to 9. Joe Biden was one of the 91. Said, quote, uh, the purpose of this bill is to prohibit federal funds for instructional materials, instruction, counseling, or other services on school grounds from being used for the promotion of homosexuality as a positive lifestyle alternative. That's not even close to what the uh, so-called don't say gay bill has to do. Teachers are free to speak to students about anything if those students bring it up. What they're not free to do is disrupt math class, disrupt, you know, teaching people how to draw or the alphabet, talk about how uh, it's okay that Heather has two mommies and four daddies and some of them are God knows what and the gender is fluid and all of that. That's what the bill says. Stick to the curriculum. And oh, by the way, if kids start showing signs of anything, the parents are to be informed. Depression, sadness, whatever it is, the parents are to be informed. That's kind of what it is. Instead, you get idiots like this out of Florida, Tallahassee, Dateline, Tallahassee. The chance of dozens of students from across Florida could be heard throughout the walls of the Senate chamber on Monday as lawmakers debated a contentious proposal to bar lessons about sexual orientation and gender identity from kindergarten to third grade. Now, you really got to be a special kind of pervert to go, no, I really, really desperately want to talk to five-year-olds about gay sex. I've got to. Well, what were they chanting up in the gallery? We say gay. We say gay. Congratulations. You say gay. You can still say gay. Notice how none of these idiots were arrested. By the way, they were disrupting an official proceeding, I would say. Uh, isn't that an act of terrorism, judging by the January 6th? No, it's only when it's Republican. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Fox News has this story. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki vocally condemned a Florida parental rights bill that Democrats have branded as don't say gay, despite the fact that the bill does not ban the word gay in school settings. Oh, my God. Yeah, this Democrats are lying. Sorry to wake you up on that. Listen to this exchange with the reporter from the uh, New York Times and Ginger Goebbels. He's asking about Joe Biden's vote saying, uh, hey, Joe's kind of on record as being in favor of this. She won't answer. She just lies. In 1994, when many of us in this room were in school, uh, President Biden actually voted for a much broader restriction uh, that banned federal funds from being used for, quote, the promotion of homosexuality as a positive lifestyle alternative. Uh, Why did he do that? And can you describe how his thinking has evolved over the years? Well, I think that you have seen the president speak passionately about his view that a bill like this, uh, a bill that would uh, discriminate against families, against kids, um, put these kids in a position of not getting the support they need um, at a time where that's exactly what they need is discriminatory. It's 
uh, a form of bullying. Um, it is horrific. I mean, the president has spoken to that. In terms of his views and comments from 25 years ago, I think the most important question now is why are Florida leaders deciding they need to s discriminate against kids who are members of the LGBTQI community? What prompts them to do that? Is it meanness? Is it wanting to make kids have more difficult times in school in their communities? I would pose that question to them and we can talk about it more tomorrow if you get an answer. How condescending can that pile of garbage be? We talk about it again tomorrow if you get an answer. We can talk about it again tomorrow. Don't you go away. Here's this lollipop. Now go ahead. Let me pat you on the head. We can talk about it again tomorrow if you get an answer. You go do this. I would uh, tell her where she could stuff her this, that, and the other thing there. But it, she didn't want to talk about what Joe did. She did not want to talk about what Joe did. It's different, you see. Um. It's sick. So the reporter, to his credit, said, no, I'm going to circle back with circle back, Jen. I'm going to ask you again, since you refuse to answer the question, I'm going to ask it again. And she again refuses to address it. Was there a reason you supported the same policy, though, in, in the 90s when we were all in school? I think what's important to note here is how outspoken the president has been against discrimination, against uh, kids, against members of the LGBTQI plus community. And what we're looking at here is a bill that would propagate misinformed, hateful policies and impact children. So that's the question. I hope maybe you can pose that uh, to some of the leaders in Florida. Maybe they'll return your phone calls. And I look forward to having that conversation. I look forward to it. God, she's such a condescending pile of garbage. I had to look up, like, what in the hell does LGBTQI plus stand? Because the I is new and the plus is suddenly new. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and intersexed person. But I don't know where the, uh, the plus comes from. I don't know what the plus means. Who honestly cares? If your identity is what you're genitals do what you do with them then you don't have much of an identity as far as i'm concerned you're a pretty big loser but i will put forward even though there are so many usually actors usually people in hollywood who say i knew since i was a zygote that i was gay there's no way in god's green earth any of these people they first of all they don't remember anything from their first five years of life secondly they're like oh i knew i was gay and then second grade Really? You knew what gay was in the second grade? I don't, I doubt that, but yet somehow you survived, okay? Nobody was talking to you about it then, or if anybody was, I'd kind of like to, maybe you want to report them. But nobody was reporting you to it. Nobody stopped you from being it. You were allowed to be a kid when you were in second grade. How about you extend the same courtesy to kids today? We say gay. We say gay. Congratulations. You can't say gay. The United States is turning into a fascist regime. Uh, the mere fact that you're not in prison and all you do is bitch about the United States indicates to me that you have been woefully misled about what the definition of the word fascism means. Just to start, just for starters, you know, you got other issues too, pal. But uh, for starters, we can go right there. We say gay. We say gay. And Florida politicians, Democrats, of course, are uh, tweeting out. One guy tweeted out a picture of himself with duct tape over his mouth and the word gay written across it. That's his protest. These people are the people who think that a hashtag is going to save the world. They can't explain what's wrong with this bill. They have to lie about it. If you have to lie about something, 
If the truth is not your friend, that should tell you everything you need to know. At least it does for me. I don't know about you, but it does tell me everything I need to know. What is wrong with people, adults, who go, you know what, children must be polluted? When I was a kid, it was a different world. Granted, there weren't so many insane liberals running around. But it was a situation where they let kids be kids. Remember, I don't know if they do this anymore, but uh, when my parents had friends over, that was told explicitly, all right, you know, this is the adults, you know, are going to have their time. It's not like they were having a key party or getting hammered or anything. My parents, I never saw my parents drunk. But they would have their friends over, like, all right, adults want to talk to other adults. Okay, we all got kids. You guys go to bed or you go upstairs and play with their kids that are over there to, you know, leave us alone. Because I was always down there. I always enjoyed talking to the adults. And uh, they would send you away and have adult conversations. Now they don't. They don't seem to send you away. Now they want to sit you down and preach to you. The left does. Okay, I know you're uh, four years old and you're really enjoying playing with your G.I. Joes, but I think more, Billy, that you're enjoying playing with your G.I. Joes because society has sort of instructed you that you have to. And society has sort of told you that you're just going to have to play with these G.I. Joes. Well, you could have a Barbie, too. You should, you should probably actually know. Better yet, have a Barbie. And uh, we're not going to we're going to name you Clover instead of Billy. And we're not going to assume anything about you. And there are these idiots out there who from birth of their child, like, well, the doctor assigned this gender to them at birth. But we are not going to adhere to that. Like, oh, really? That's congratulations. Tell your little whatever Z. Are you going to at least tell your kid that they're going to have to, I don't know, get screened for ovarian cancer at some point, that they might want to consider that? How do you explain any of these things? How do you, I can get more graphic, but I don't want to. You get where this goes. It's a level of stupid and denial that if that's how you want to live your life, okay, fine. I expect your kid will hate you. Your kid's hatred of you will be justified. You can judge, but you know, um, good for them there's always pushback rebellion like i say the radon chong's of the world radon chong is the daughter of tommy chong tommy chong was not uh is probably the world's biggest stoner on the face of the earth in the 70s she saw that radon chong like i want nothing to do with drugs and she's basically lived a straight edge life uh, certainly not a big pot smoker because she saw what it does to her dad and good for her good for her on that one so hopefully these these people's kids will go you know what i just don't want to I'm not going to raise my kids like this. Now, it, it, it can't happen soon enough. And sadly, you got to wait a while for people to grow up and then be able to rebel against things, and especially to the point where it matters. But the world could use a rebellion against this from the kids today. That, I suppose, is one of the most annoying things to me, is how somehow in all of this, the left, they didn't pick up the mantle, they stole the mantle. They stole the label of rebel. We're rebellious. We are the party of punk rock. No, you're not. Just because Green Day says vote for Joe Biden doesn't mean you're the party of punk rock because Green Day isn't punk rock. Just because all, you know, punk rock is 
complete and total rebellion. The left is the party of absolute conformity. Yeah, they don't, not in the way that, you know, people think conformity is, you know, what you're supposed to rebel against. The spikes through your head, the visible tattoos and all that stupid stuff. You're like, oh, I'm such a rebel. I got a tattoo on my neck. Like, well, con- congratulations. You've limited future employment pro- prospects, all for the low, low. You know what I find amazing is these people who uh, are covered in tattoos. They're always profiled in news stories about how the economy is, is hurting average Americans, as they say. And like the dude's got two sleeve tattoos. Those are expensive. Those are expensive. And he's sitting outside his trailer park home. Nothing against trailer park homes. My parents started off living in a trailer when they got married after they moved out of my grandparents' house. Nothing wrong with it. But to sit there and go, oh, my goodness. We uh, we got a really rough go of it. And these people, this single mother, I always see the stories of the single mother with the kids running around. The mother's covered in tattoos. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? To me, it tells me that your priorities are so screwed up that not that you're rich. It's not like, oh, the only thing holding you back from being a millionaire is you decided to piss all your money away on tattoos. But it tells me that your priorities in life are screwed up. Not just... You know, that you've got bad taste in tattoos. But that you sit there and you spend, when you had money, this is what you chose to spend it on. I've blown through money. I was young and stupid too. I drank most of mine. But I didn't permanently scar my body and then go, oh, it's unfair. The system is unfair. I spent 12 grand on tattoos and I can't get enough money to put a down payment on a house. Like, hey, I could maybe connect some dots there for you, genius. But no, it's encouraged. Stretch your earlobes out to the size of a frisbee. You're free. As long as you conform in thought, you can do whatever you want. You can be as rebellious as you want. You can pretend you're whatever gender you just made up. And we shall embrace you. Think for yourself and disagree with us in any way, shape, or form. Forget it. Absolutely, under no circumstances, you go straight to hell. It's really bizarre, bizarre how the left got the mantle of we're the party of rebellion when they're the ultimate party of conformity. I'll tell you, my, uh, I don't know, I had, it's been a while since I've mentioned this, a lot of new people coming and going. I had this philosophy or this, this belief, and I think that, you know, you sit there and go, well, we need welfare. We need to help people. We need to help. Okay, we can help people. Here's my condition for welfare. You come in for welfare, you want to apply for welfare, you're hard up, that's fine, it happens. I'm willing to give you a helping hand, I'm not willing to give you a lifestyle. I don't want the social safety net to become a hammock. So, what we agree to is you get welfare benefits. But the day you come in and apply, for, you have to come in and apply, none of this online garbage. You come in and apply for them, you have to strip down to your underpants. And you go, well, what are you talking about, Derek? That sounds a little perverted. You were just railing again. Well, these are adults, okay? The kids stay out of the room. The adults come in, strip down to their underpants, take pictures of them. Look, most of these people, nobody wants to see them naked anyway, so don't worry, they're not going to circulate. Maybe you even crop the heads off so you can not identify them, but you take it front and back. And then every six months, as long as they're on welfare, for as long as they're on welfare. They have to come back in and get another underpants photo. There. What? Why are you doing this? Are you monitoring their weight? No. 
I'm monitoring their tattoos. If they have one more drop of ink on them than they had from day one, they lose their welfare benefits. This is spelled out to them as plain as day at the beginning. But if you decide that your priorities in life are to take the public's money, the public's help to keep you, get you back on your feet, is to take it to a tattoo parlor and decide to get, uh, you know, the oh, to get the Grim Reaper on my forearm. Good for you. You can do that. You're just off of welfare forever. Period. End of story. I don't care what it is. Your priorities are so screwed up. And I don't care. If somebody wants to get tattoos, they can get tattoos. Somebody on the public dole wants to get tattoos. No. So either the option is they took their welfare money and gave it to the tattoo artist, or they have more money than they're letting on. They're having maybe under the table money, and they've chosen to spend it in a way that is just one of the dumbest ways you could possibly spend money when you don't have any money. You could, if you want to do it, you can do it. And if you're you're able to afford it, I couldn't care less. If you're on the public dole, no, you're going to get searched. And the second it comes back with, hey, wait a second, you don't even want to, I don't want anybody who has a big pen that breaks in their hand and they get a little bit of ink on their hand. I'd question that person severely under a hot, scrub that off. Here's some lava. See if that comes off. If that doesn't come off, it's a new tattoo and you're done. Not an, I don't have an aversion to tattoos, although I don't have any tattoos. My wife doesn't have any tattoos. And I'm eternally grateful that neither of us have any tattoos. Just not for me. I have thought about getting them in the past. And I couldn't, honestly, when I was in my early 20s, I thought about it. They weren't everywhere then. They weren't ubiquitous then. And I thought, there's nothing I'm going to like forever. There's nothing I know I'll like forever that I'm going to get a tattoo of. The closest thing I could come to was the cover of the, uh, remember the documentary, Imagine the John Lennon self-portrait thing with the different colors? Uh, I'd probably like John Lennon or the Beatles forever. So if I was to get a tattoo, that's probably what it would have been. The replacements didn't really have a logo. And I thought, well, what the hell? I'm not, why would I want that? I would put a tattoo on my body because I like someone's music. So I ended up with no tattoos, no piercings. Lots of scars, no tattoos, no piercings. So kind of proud of that. <laughs> anyway, there's a tangent for you to end the show and the week. Hope you have a great weekend. Do not, please do not forget to join us at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast for the week in F and review for the book contests, autograph books, all those good things. The winner will be announced on Monday's show. The drawing will be sometime in the afternoon on Sunday. So you still have plenty of time to join and enter. All you got to do is comment. I appreciate the use of your ears, man. What a week it has been. Who knows what's going to happen next one, but we'll be here to talk about it. Have a great one. Thank you. <laughs>